Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. To episode 361 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Tuesday, August 2nd. The trade deadline is now behind us. And uh, as we kind of expected, the Atlanta Braves were quite busy over the last couple of days. Joining me to discuss all of what they did, and I do mean all of what they did, is Scott Coleman. Hello, sir. Yeah, never a, a dull moment or five minutes to catch your breath with Alex Anthopoulos, especially at the deadline. And um, as you said, a whole bunch of things four trades and then a massive contract extension, which we're going to talk about as well. And then uh, really it was just a, it's just such a fun time as a baseball fan, even if it's not the Braves making that move, just to see which contenders are going for it, which teams are selling. Uh, It's always a fun day. And and we have a lot of good stuff to talk about tonight. We sure do. And uh, I'll just say this at the very top of the podcast. We did a emergency episode last night on Monday about the Riley extension, and we'll touch on it with our thoughts at the end of the podcast. But if you missed that, uh, lots of stuff from Eric and Stephen and Sean about an hour's worth on Monday talking about that, as well as Adrianza. We've also had full on written content all up and down the site. You wrote something uh, about uh, Anthopolis. Uh, Chris was at the press conference today. On Tuesday, with some uh, with some quotes from Alex, etc. There's a wall-to-wall coverage on the podcast network. Please subscribe. Also on the site at batterypower.com. We are very busy at this point in time. And uh, just quickly here at the top of the podcast, there is a game happening as we're talking on Tuesday night. The Braves are probably going to win. It's ten to one as we're talking. The Mets lost today, so it looks like it's going to be a two and a half game deficit at the end of the night. A couple of headliners quickly here on the baseball side, and uh, I promise most of this talk will be about the trades and Riley. But uh, Strider had eleven, sorry, thirteen strikeouts tonight that seems pretty good and then uh marcelo zuna uh made you look silly this evening with three hits and a home run scott on twitter you are getting dunked on and uh welcome to the party i know you're always there as, along, along with me we have we have enough enough takes out there where we have to be wrong sometimes and uh, that was kind of just funny timing with azuna yeah it was and hey if if marcel wants to have a good final two months and postseason would quite obviously go a long long way for the braves and what more can you say about spencer strider after tonight, as of recording, he has the lowest FIP in the major leagues among pitchers with at least 50 innings. That is remarkable. Uh, we knew he was going to be good, uh, especially early on in the season in that bullpen role. But man, ever since he has come to the starting rotation, other than that one kind of fluky start he had against the Giants, which was, goodness, almost two months ago now, he has been truly elite and I think even the most bullish Spencer Strider supporter would never admit they saw this coming, and he has just been so dang good. Um, And as we'll talk about in a little bit, too, 
uh, with one of the trades the Braves made, uh, they're going to have some rotation flexibility, which I think is going to be really, really helpful down the stretch. Definitely. And uh, I know we were certainly pretty early on banging the drum for him to be starting. Uh, we were pretty early on that one, and uh, none of us thought he was going to be this good as a starter. So uh, we were right about that, at least <laughs> on the bright side. We were yelling. There's like a three-week period where I know we were all yelling individually and collectively about why he wasn't starting yet, and uh, he's been pretty good since then. So that worked out pretty well. Um, yeah, since a uh, quick, quick note. So I, we had this stat earlier in the year. The Braves, assuming they win tonight, will be 63 and 41. Um, they are two and 12 in games started by someone other than the big five, which of course was why we were screaming for Strider to start early on. It was like an automatic loss that first month and a half before he went into the rotation. So that's a 61 and 29 mark since Spencer Strider went into the rotation, 61 and 29. That's, uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, that'll work. Um, so yeah, that's that's obviously a positive from the evening, but uh, we're recording during the game. If anything happens, we'll break it here on the podcast live. But for the most part, deadline edition of the podcast. And uh, just as a note, everybody across the league was busy, it seemed like. Um, really the national headliner of the uh, day today and yesterday was the Padres going absolutely all in. They have Juan Soto now. They have Josh Bell now. They have Josh Hader now. They have Drury. They went really, really, really big on this trade line. Uh, we knew Soto was probably going to get moved, and that ended up happening. Other teams were active as well in the American League. The Yankees did a lot of different things. The Dodgers got Joey Gallo, which is kind of a low-level move, but still pretty interesting. And uh, your crush, Noah Syndergaard, the guy you called it, uh, would be a brave end up going to the Phillies. So now you, you probably feel uh, sort of spited by that, but uh, any thoughts on the overall direction of the deadline beyond the Braves? Because like I said, the Padres uh, it's a pretty crazy roster overhaul and uh, simply put a guy of Juan Soto's caliber is not get traded every year. So that was a pretty crazy one. Yeah. Good for the Padres. They went all in uh, Tim Kirkjian on ESPN this morning said it was the biggest trade in baseball history and I'd be hard-pressed to disagree with him. For them to get Soto and Josh Bell, their lineup, especially once Tatis comes back, is going to be ridiculous. Uh, and then all the all the contenders made moves in various degrees, right? All the three division leaders in the American League made significant ads. Um, you know, the Dodgers kind of made more marginal moves. They didn't make a big splash, which was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, and then, then both the Mets and the Phillies added, maybe not superstars. I was a little bummed. I thought Syndergaard would be a fit for the Braves, uh, although uh, I guess I had the division right at least. Um, it's going to be a fun final two months, especially with the expanded wild card. And, of course, the Braves and Mets are probably going to end up being the best division race down the stretch. So all eyes on the division. But, um, again, just a lot of adding from the teams in contention. And then there's just really no middle class in major league baseball anymore. It seems like everybody is either all in trying to win or in the middle of a rebuild of some kind, um, but a ton of action really over the last couple of days. Pretty wild stuff as, uh, as often around the deadline, but it's time to dig into what the Braves actually did. And really the biggest thing in terms of notoriety, in terms of spending, in terms of the player that they're actually getting happened right at the buzzer. And in fact, uh, it kind of delayed Austin Riley's press conference uh, today because Anthopolis was uh, still having to kind of wheel and deal behind the scenes, but they're going to be acquiring Rysel Iglesias from the Angels. Iglesias uh, has been a one of the best relievers in baseball for you know seven or eight seasons 
at this point in time. Um, there was some notes from Anthopolis talking about how they talked about him in the offseason. They wanted to sign somebody. Um, you know, depth in the bullpen wasn't necessarily the biggest concern. And as we'll get to in a second, Iglesias is not cheap and he signed for a long time. So it seems like this might be a long-term, maybe closer move in the uh, wake of Kenley getting a little bit older and also not being signed long-term. But uh, Scott, when this came across the, the ledger, we kind of all thought that they might be done at that point because it was right before the deadline. It actually was over and really... If they hadn't done that done that move, it would have still felt like a very busy deadline. And then you throw in again a top tier reliever at the buzzer. And uh, what was what was sort of in your mind when that happened? Yeah, I think with Iglesias, there's really two different layers to it. And one of them is the immediate, and then one of them is the long term. And I guess starting with the immediate, um, he's going to join what has been probably the best bullpen in the major leagues, as we know very well. Um, you talk about adding him as a power arm, and he is absolutely a power arm, big-time strikeout numbers. Um, this season with the Angels, who have been such a dumpster fire, I always question a little bit about uh, some of their internal systems. But he's been good with the Angels, and in previous years, he has been elite, like truly one of the best closers in baseball. And then I mean, we saw firsthand last October, if you have a dominant bullpen, which can mix and match, especially in those later innings, uh, he is a true power arm. We know that a bullpen can carry you in a series, especially in one where every run is at a premium. Uh, so as far as immediate impact, I think he quite obviously really improves the bullpen. I was sad to see Jesse Chavez go. I'm a big Jesse Chavez fan, and I think everyone was the way he just kind of goes out there and slings 90-mile-an-hour cutters. Uh, but as good as Chavez has been, uh, Iglesias is a true power arm, someone who is an, a real difference maker. Um, and as you said, too, with Kenley Jansen having a, you know, he's a little bit older. He's had a couple of issues uh, both on and off the field with his health. Uh, you have to have some kind of insurance for him. And, and frankly, in October, as we know, you need your bullpen ready to go every night because pretty frequently you're going to be needing your power arms three, four, five nights in a row. And having that depth is so valuable. Yeah. So just to lay it out, I mean, you mentioned like he's been a top tier guy, you know, he's 32 years old. He's been really the closer or a high leverage guy for seven seasons, staying back to his time with the Reds in that sample size, seven seasons. He has a 2.90 ERA and uh, more than four times as many strikeouts as walks. That's some really good peripheral stuff. He has been, according to fan graphs, a top five reliever in all of baseball since the start of 2020. So three seasons. Um, and he's number eight overall in Fangraph's war from relievers since 2016. Uh, Kenley, by the way, is number one on that list. So like, you know, by any description over the last four five, six, seven years, he has been a top tier reliever. Uh, he still is that now. Uh, his ERA this year is 4.04. So some of the people that just kind of saw that ERI, ERI number kind of panicked that, uh, you know, because obviously Chavez has a better ERA than that. Um, I said this on Twitter. I'll say it again here. You know, I love Jesse Chavez. We are very pro Chavez on this podcast. I will call him a Braves legend. He is a World Series winner. Um, and I know, he, I know he has a better ERA than Iglesias, but Iglesias is a better pitcher than Jesse Chavez. That's why they're doing this. Um, the peripherals say that for sure. Just for this year only with that quote unquote, you know, shaky ERA, he has 48 strikeouts and nine walks in 35 innings or so of work. This is a guy who, uh, you know, profiles to be a pretty dominant back end reliever. Um, but as you get into 
the if you want to be skeptical of this move, it's not the return because you know this is honestly very cheap. As much as Chavez has been great, uh, is Chavez and Tucker Davidson who is a guy that we're familiar with, but not exactly the highest uh, upside guy. He's 26 years old. They didn't seem to have too much confidence in him. I'll let Eric and the prospect guys talk about him too, a little bit more in the future. But um, that is a very, very cheap return for a player of this caliber. And the reason for that is because Iglesias is owed a bunch of money. Uh, it is $16 million a year for the next three after the season. So it's three years and $48 million remaining through 2025. Now, if he's a good reliever, that's a totally fair price. But for a guy who's already 32 years old, it is a lot of commitment for a reliever. And uh, if there's one thing that we've seen from Anthopolis the last three years now is that he is not afraid, for whatever reason, to dole out a pretty significant sum to a reliever. Obviously, the Will Smith contract was the first thing that he really did. It was a big-time move. Um, and Kenley, et cetera. You know, Kirby Yates not making a ton of money, but he's, he's not afraid to spend some money at the back of the bullpen now. And uh, look, I like this in terms of like adding to the bullpen, but there is definitely some risk. We talk about this all the time on the podcast about relievers being volatile. Um, this is a guy who's been consistent for a long time, but age 33, 34, 35 at $16 million a year for a reliever, there's some downside there for sure. Yeah, it does. It carries some risk. And longtime listeners of the podcast know with bullpens, especially, you just you just never know what you're going to get outside of a handful of the truly elite of the elite. Um, but you, you mentioned Kenley Jansen is a free agent. Will Smith is gone. Spoiler alert. Uh, those two guys were making uh, just over $30 million this year. Uh, so the Braves were going to have some funds free. Um, and it, it does seem like quite obviously payroll is going to continue going up. That was talked about quite a bit over the last few days. Uh, but if Iglesias is the guy who he has been for a few years now and his velocity is up, there's no red flags. I was going through his profile on Baseball Savant and his pitch mix. Uh, there's no immediate red flags or reasons to make you uh, worry. Again, you're talking about a reliever in his 30s, and there's a chance that in two years we might be lamenting the fact that he's owed all this money. Uh, but for the immediate term, for a team that is trying to make another deep run, he is probably the best relief pitcher who has moved this week. I, I think David Robertson's having a really nice year. With oh, well, 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 haters, the only guy you would say is probably better than him. Well, um, and, and even haters been really bad for like a month, but yeah. that that's fair. I, I should have thought about hater. That was a couple of days ago. Um, but nonetheless, at worst, we're talking about a top three reliever to move this week. And you know, sometimes you have to overpay, whether it's in prospects or dollars. In this case, the Braves did not give up anything. Uh, maybe Tucker Davidson turns into a fourth or fifth starter out in Anaheim. Um, yeah, so it kind of caught me by surprise as well. You mentioned the money. That is a real factor of this. But I think in the immediate term, it very much improves your bullpen, gives you a lot of late inning options. He's also a power right-handed arm. That is something that we have talked about the Braves could really use. He absolutely fits that mold, and um, we'll see if you know what the crystal ball holds for two, three years from now. For sure, and look, I, I, I say this objectively: like you can't really find a metric that would tell you that he has not been a top ten reliever in baseball for the last half decade or more like he has really been that good um the age is what it is but um guys have been effective into their mid-30s like it's like that can't happen and uh also because of the will smith domino that we'll touch we'll touch on in a second they saved some money on that transaction 
for this year. And then look, I'm not saying that they can't possibly retain Kenley beyond this year, but um, this certainly would signal that it's, that's less likely. I think in the future, he's only signed for this year. Of course, Kenley Jansen is. And um, I think if you just kind of slot that salary slot in for what they're paying Kenley this year to go to have that be a glazes for next year, that's a little bit more palatable because look, you can kind of split this away, but even if they're, you know, you have Kirby Yates and Iglesias next year, in these slots that were previously associated with Jansen and Will Smith, that's about the same money, actually a little bit less money in, uh, in Yates and Iglesias as they were paying Jansen and Smith. So it's a lot of money. I don't always love big money deals for relievers, uh, just especially long-term, but if he holds his value and, uh, and and sort of is like even 90% of this guy that he's been, it'll be just fine. And he obviously helps the team now. And look, we were talking about this last year, but trying to win the world series. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Even if they don't, when the division or anything like that, they are definitely a contender. That's the, that's been the case for a long time now, but uh, they are not all winning like in the way that the Padres are, but they're certainly trying to add and trying to win the world series. And this is more of a short-term move than a long-term move, but that's, Hey, that's, that's business. You're trying to, you're trying to win now and he's going to help them. He is. And he fits the window, right? I mean, as we know now, some of these recent contract extensions, and we'll talk about Riley a little bit later, but right. It looks, the Braves are set up very well for the next couple of years. We know how important a bullpen is to good teams. They're, a bad bullpen can really derail a, an otherwise good season in a hurry. Uh, but yeah, I know folks, Braves fans may not be overly familiar with Iglesias between his time in Cincinnati and then out west with uh, in Anaheim with the Angels, but a big-time addition to the bullpen, one that, frankly, I, I didn't see whenever it struck uh, 6 o'clock Eastern. I, I thought the Braves were done, and then it got in just a few minutes later. Uh, as Anthopolis has kind of famously done now the last two years, but um, he will really help the bullpen give another option. And it's also probably worth mentioning with Kenley, you know, the heart condition is one thing. And, and I think that's separate from baseball, but it, I mean, it that's scary, man. Like a heart condition is not something you can play with. That is not a sore foot. You just have to suck it up and take some Advil. Um, you don't know what the future is going to hold over the next two to three months with, with Kenley's heart um, and then even the other night we saw his back tightened up. And I think one of his opportunities against the Diamondbacks, uh, as we noted a week ago, the roster is locked. You can't add anybody else in. This was your last chance. Uh, so to be able to lock in a prime reliever, a guy who's probably going to handle the eighth inning most nights now with AJ Minter in the mix and Dylan Lee, who has been so, so good. And Colin McHugh and, and all of the bullpen that's been so effective this year. Uh, I think it's, as you said, it's a win now move. And I think it's one that was really worthwhile. We will definitely expand on this on the network in the next couple of weeks, but the bullpen, as you referenced, has been awesome this year already. And it even got better. Um, You know, Chavez just, we love Chavez. We said that already, but, you know, farewell to him. And uh, I would not stun me if he finds his way back to Atlanta next year on one of those uh, Kelly Johnson-ish uh, kind of things where he just signs another one-year deal with the Braves for next year. He is 38 years old, and uh, the Angels not necessarily win, win now mode, but um, that, that's a tough one. You know, Anthopolis can sort of express that, like having to tell Jesse Chavez was kind of brutal. Um, I'm sure I'm sure it was, but this is one of those opportunities where you kind of have to take it. Um, but the bullpen is just absolutely loaded. I mean, we talked about it forever. Last year was the night shift and all that stuff, but um, they have Kirby Yates coming back too. Kirby Yates, as we've covered it ad nauseum, was uber elite before he got hurt. So that's not, I'm not saying that's going to happen again, but if you can go out and add two guys who have both been top tier closers in the last couple of years in Iglesias and Yates, and all you have to trade is Jesse Chavez and Tucker Davidson for that pleasure. Like that's a pretty remarkable thing. And when Colin McHugh might be your fifth best reliever, that's absurd. Colin McHugh is like a top 
30 reliever in baseball. <laughs> he might be your fourth or fifth guy in this bullpen right now. It's it's actually pretty crazy how good how good it is on paper. And maybe they won't find the same level of dominance that, that they did last year in the playoffs. Um, I mean, even a guy like Tyler Matzik, who's been like not great this year, was a absolutely dominant force a year ago in the bullpen. And he's now like your seventh or eighth guy. They have to find somebody to cut from this bullpen at some point when Yates comes back. It is pretty, uh, they're loaded, let's just say. Yeah, it is. I, I just, I mean, you just listed off all of those relievers. Most of those guys would be like eighth inning options for half of the teams in the league. And it's true. You watch the Braves on a nightly basis. It, it feels like Snitker is like actively working to try to get enough innings for all of his guys to make sure they aren't stale out there, make sure they don't go too many days without pitching. Uh, it is so true that you can never have enough pitching, especially in September and October and in that regard, let's hope everybody stays healthy, but the Braves are absolutely loaded in the bullpen. And uh, whenever the, the postseason comes around, and even in September with some of those games against the Mets that are going to take on such high importance, having the ability to shorten a game with an elite bullpen is so valuable. And um, again, it, there's a little bit of risk here with the money on Iglesias, but uh, you, you didn't have to give up really any kind of a prospect for him. And uh, winning teams make moves like this to try to win another one. You win one World Series. Guess what? You want to go for number two. Uh, so very excited to have Iglesias out there. I'm guessing he'll join the team uh, maybe Wednesday. Wednesday's an early day game, so maybe it's not until Thursday when they begin the five-game series in New York against the Mets, but um, a big-time addition to be sure. For sure, and we'll cover, I'm sure, how they're going to stack it up. I think that as of now, we can probably assume Kenley's still the closer until he loses that job or is not healthy enough to have that job. But Iglesias is your eighth, eighth inning guy. It makes a lot of sense to me, and we'll get into all that stuff later on. And the money side, I mean, as long as uh, people are still filling up Truist Park, and by the way, by all accounts, and I've seen it firsthand even, it has been rocking and rolling at Truist Park this entire season. They are printing money. I don't want to. I don't want to understate that. I'll say it again. They are printing money for the last 10, 11, 12 months between World Series stuff and selling tickets and all that stuff. Payroll should not be a problem. We'll see if it ends up being a, a you know, how high, how high it goes for, for next year, et cetera. But they are uh, raking it in. So no concerns there at this point in time. Okay. Before we get to the rest of the moves, Robbie Grossman, Jake Odorizzi, et cetera, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Scott, let us talk about Robbie Grossman next, the Braves outfield edition. We kind of knew they were going to do something in the outfield. That was the move, and I said this on Twitter today, but uh, I had a 
a person I would describe as very smart and a person who knows things, capital uh, capital capital K capital T knows things, told me about a week ago to keep an eye on Robbie Grossman. So that person was correct. I didn't um, know we talked last week, Brad. Yeah, well, I mean, besides besides you, Scott, of course, you, of course <laughs> as well. But no, uh, an interesting pickup, not a star by any means, but uh, pretty much the archetype that you would want. We'll get into it, but uh, a guy who mashes left-handed pitching. That is the headliner and that he's a capable glove in a corner and he hits lefties. And when you already have Eddie Rosario on your roster and you're missing Adam Duvall, that's the player that you were looking for. If it, unless it was going to be like a, an actual like full-blown starter in left field, um, which Grossman probably is not at this point, but he is a capable platoon guy. And, uh, you know, for pretty cheap, that's a move that made a lot of sense to me. He is the epitome of who we expected Alex Anthopoulos to go out and trade for even 48 hours ago especially with losing Adam Duvall, which was a real blow. Um, Grossman isn't quite the same profile as Duvall. He doesn't have the same raw power, probably not as good of a fielder, although um, Anthopoulos talked about during the game tonight that he's a little more of a guy who's going to get on base a little more than Adam um, and, and still has some pop. And I think you you said it perfectly. Um, the Braves are betting on Eddie Rosario and Robbie Grossman now to handle left field every night. And that is a, it's a decent gamble. Admittedly, neither player has been very good this year. Um, I will say Robbie Grossman's numbers are not great. Although there might be something in the water in the Detroit Tigers locker room <laughs> because they are like historically a bad lineup. Like, like they, they were a team that had, some preseason hype and maybe even like a, a fringe wildcard team and they are horrendous. Um, so I, I'm a firm believer in improving a player's situation can really bring the best out of them. I'm sure being 30 games below 500 in Detroit is just a little different than coming out in front of 40,000 fans at Truist Park. Uh, and as long as Grossman does what he has done historically, if he hits lefties and plays a serviceable left field, he should fit in nicely with Eddie Rosario and Hopefully uh, with Rosario distancing himself from the eye surgery, he had another good night on Tuesday. Hopefully that continues and you you form a nice platoon out there, um, especially when you consider they're more than likely going to hit in the like that middle part of the order, which is going to have a million runners on base ahead of them with Riley and Olsen and Dansby. Um, you're going to need them to contribute. And I think Grossman was kind of the the perfect fit for what the front office was looking for. Agree. He doesn't bring the same kind of upside as a Jorge Soler or a Jock Peterson did last year. He's not that kind of guy in terms of the power. But even this year, when he's not having a good season, as you sort of laid out, he's still killing lefties this year. It's only about 100 plate appearances. He has a 189 WRC plus against lefties this year. He has a career 123 WRC plus against lefties with about an 800 OPS. And that's a thousand plate appearances. Like he hits lefties. That is documented. Does that mean he's going to do it now? Maybe not, but he's always hit lefties at every level that includes this year, even when he's struggling overall. And uh, that's kind of the role, because I think that they're going to probably play Eddie against, against every righty. And that's totally fine. Um, and, but if there's a tough lefty in there, you stick Grossman in there and you just hope for the best, uh, a nice pinch hit bat. If you need one against the lefties, et cetera. So like, I think this is a totally solid thing for very, very cheap. It is not, uh, they didn't need to have the entire overhaul. Like, like last year, people kind of forget this sometimes, but they kind of had to have the entire, tire outfield replaced a year ago in like three days whereas this year it was really just one spot they had to fill 
This is how they filled it. And by the way, they traded very little. You know, Chris Anglin, I, I know nothing about for the most part. A uh, late round pick last year, I kind of asked our prospect guys. There was kind of a shrug collectively on what they're giving up here. It's basically a very, very minimal cost, a la what happened last year with those kind of deals. And uh, oh, one more thing about his defense. Um, Robbie Grossman had this like historically long errorless streak that he actually had broken in July. I'm not sure if you saw this, Scott, but he had uh, like three or four years without making an error. So there's this like notion that he's this awesome defender. He's really not an awesome defender. Um, he didn't make errors. That's that's a good thing. You don't want to have guys that make errors, but um, not making errors and being a good defender are not always the same. <laughs> so keep that in mind. The metrics don't think he's a great defender. I think Duvall probably is a better defender than Grossman, but like he's not, terrible like he's fine he's yeah. better than his he's better than ozuna he's uh he's a fine left field defender and uh that's not it's not, not a concern it's just like I, I saw somebody ask me about that on twitter today like what about this arrow streak i'm like yeah that that matters but like the metrics don't seem to love his defense so i'm thinking he's just going to be like okay yeah catch the ball that's hit out there uh, he, he's playing next to michael harris whenever he's out there who of course covers so much ground so you just want him to be serviceable out there and as you said, the metrics don't love him, but he's he's not horrendous out there by any means. Um, you know, it's funny, too, as the trade broke, I think the Braves have a reputation around baseball now, especially after last year's run, that they can just kind of pick and choose these guys who are struggling and they come to Atlanta and blow up. So on the Gro- the Robbie Grossman announcement tweet, there was like some Yankee fans who were like, great, this guy's going to hit 900 in the playoffs, <laughs> 11 home runs. Uh, it's kind of nice. We talked about last week. It was cool seeing the Braves be like the pillar of excellence for adding at the deadline when your season isn't going as as good as you want it. And then all of a sudden you make this crazy run. Um, it's good to know that the Braves kind of like the Dodgers had earlier on. They don't do it as much anymore um, as they've just started to like buy top level talent instead of develop these diamonds in the rough. Um but hey, if, if Robbie Grossman, again, he, he's been good in the past. He's almost 33, so he's not a young man anymore. Uh, but as you noted, the prospect cost was nothing. He's a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, there is a little bit of a gamble from Anthopolis in the front office that he is going to rediscover himself. But as long as he is put in a situation to be in a role to be successful, which I think he will be, um, I like the upside here. And again, he's, he's not some for a outfielder who's never done it before. And if you can rekindle what he was doing before this horrible year in Detroit, he he was a really solid player. He had a 2.4 war in 2021. Uh, that That's quite obviously a valuable outfielder. Um, and for the cost, I think it makes a lot of sense. And also you're not going to like flat out bench Eddie Rosario too. No. I, I know some folks were clamoring for like a top tier level outfielder and I mean, that would have been cool. Maybe they could have gotten creative and worked a way to get Eddie in that deal. But you're that's just not, you know, it's not Madden where you can just bench a like a legitimate starting guy who owed, owed real money. Um, so, yeah, Robbie Grossman, Eddie Rosario, here's hoping it rekindles some of that 2021 magic. Yeah, and if anything happens to either one of those guys, the downside is that you have to, you know, kind of patch it together because there's nothing else you can do, as you sort of said earlier. Um, so they're kind of married to that platoon now. Um, you know, beyond that, it's uh, you get into Heredia and whatever else. So uh, there isn't a whole lot beyond behind them, but I think it's a pretty solid enough spot to be in when you had, when you had to replace Duvall. They went and got a guy who was uh, at least somewhat comparable to what Duvall can do. You have not exact same profile as Duvall. Um, that's it for that, and we'll sort of get into the the other pitching trade. A bit of an odd one, but also not an odd one on the same at the same time. The Braves get Jake Odorizzi 
from Houston. That was not a, not a name that I had seen anybody point to for the Braves. At the same time, we talked about it a lot. You and I did. Eric and I did. I know Steven and Chris did. I have been saying for a while that I thought the Braves, A, needed to find a starter, and B, would find a starter. And not necessarily a sexy person. Um, Odorizzi is not the like headline name necessarily. He's been around for a long time. But uh, this the move did not surprise me. It was just that Odorizzi was not the name I was expecting, if that makes sense. Yeah, I um, I mean, even the national writers were a little surprised when this trade was leaked late last night because how often do last year's World Series foes make a trade and trade major league players? It's it's really pretty and, and, and two teams that are like, you know, the Astros are awesome this year. It's not, it's not like they're rebuilding now. They're number oh, yeah. two in the American League and they're absolutely awesome. So like these are two contenders trading major league players for each other. It's a very interesting situation. Yeah, I, these two teams, it's not crazy to say that if these two teams met again in the World Series, it would not surprise anyone. Nope. Um yeah, I, I'm very happy the Braves added a starting pitcher. Um, as you said, I don't think anyone really expected them to be in contention for a Luis Castillo or a Frankie Montas. And then you look at the prospects that the Yankees and the Mariners gave up, and it's like, yeah, the Braves probably couldn't match that even if they wanted to. Uh, Odorizzi, again, he he's kind of a, a fourth starter type. Um, he did, funny enough, pitch well against the Braves in game one of the World Series last year. I think it was two scoreless innings, so maybe that name is a little more familiar because of that. But overall, his numbers are fine. A 3.75 ERA, 3.61 FIP. Uh, he is giving up. He, he's been a little fortunate with the home run ball. You hope that doesn't come back to bite him. But he is exactly what I was hoping this team was going to add. Hopefully, he gives the team good innings. And then, more importantly, it, one, gives you insurance in case any of the big five starters get injured. Uh, but two, I know the Braves keep saying they're not going to limit innings. I would be surprised. I know Ian Anderson also had a really nice start against the uh, shell of the Arizona Diamondbacks on <laughs> Sunday, although I would probably like to see Ian do it against a better lineup. He's going to face the Mets this weekend in New York. We'll see how that goes. Maybe Ian is fully back. Maybe he found something. He found his curveball in that start. Uh, but adding this depth is really important, especially with Kyle Muller having limited big league success so far, and he has a broken bone in his hand as well. Um, and quite obviously, they traded Tucker Davidson, who was also going to be in the mix if the Braves needed a fifth starter suddenly. Um, and then to be able to get rid of Will Smith, um, yeah, we'll, we'll do a post-mortem on Smith here in a minute, but you know, <laughs> the guy, for, for being the pitcher who was on the mound last year as the Braves clinched the NLDS NLCS and the world series. I think everybody was happy to see him go. We'll, we'll watch those videos and be happy forever, but uh, it was a surprising move and and I'm, I'm all for this. Yeah. We'll get into Smith more, as you said, in a second, uh, just the last couple things on Odorizzi, you know, this year he was, he missed like six weeks with a leg injury came back about a month ago has been pretty solid since then. He has a 3.75 ERA for the season with about 3.6 wit. Sorry, 3.6 FIP. That is totally fine, obviously. A career about a four ERA guy in about 1,200 innings. That's totally fine as well. He's not a huge swing and miss guy, but he's been very good historically at avoiding hard contact. Um, I think Odorizzi is just like one of those professional starting pitchers. You talk, you talk about like him being a number four starter. That's kind of what he is. Um, honestly, he's better than the guy I thought they were going to get, if that makes sense. Like, we kind of talked about it. You, you just said it wasn't going to be Castillo and it was never going to be one of those guys, but like 
I actually expected him to get a worse option than this for this role. I think Odorizzi is almost overqualified for the role that he has now as the number six starter on this roster. There are some double headers coming up uh, this week, even there's one. So he'll be very useful if they want to go to like a six man rotation for a little while. But um, if there aren't any injuries and if they don't limit innings, uh, he's kind of just going to be chilling. But I do think that maybe giving a guy an extra day off every once in a while, you know, Max Fried's famously always been better with extra rest. Strider, I know they keep saying they're not going to limit him. I, I don't really see that happening of him pitching a full-time starter workload for the next, you're hoping, three months into late October. That would be a lot on him. Um, and in the playoffs, like you could just not have Odorizzi on your roster. If you're if you're healthy and you don't need him, he could just not be on the NLD, NLDS roster or the NLCS roster. That's, that's totally fine. And if you need him, you use him, and that's Okay, as well, and even for next year, like he has this interesting player option for next season, which we won't go won't, won't go crazy in depth on now. But it's got a weird buyout. It's got some escalators in it about innings. Um, but you could conceivably get him back for like a pre middling price to be your fifth starter next year if you need him. So like, yeah, not a whole lot of downside here. Um, we'll, we'll talk about Will Smith, but current the current Will Smith with his salary, you weren't gonna do better than this for sure and honestly there was a world and, and it's not just us saying this there were some beat writers talking about this as well there was a world in which they were they, they actually might have to dfa will smith and like in especially when yates comes back i'm not saying that was, that was definitely going to happen that was at least plausible to all of us and through that lens to turn that guy into jacob Rizzi with nothing else is like a massive home run and then i'm not trying to pile on will smith in fact like i think i've probably defended will smith more than most people have in the world but trading him for Jacob Arizzi right now is a no-brainer. Like, you have to do that trade if you're the Braves. Yeah, it's funny. When this trade was first reported but had not yet been confirmed, I was trying to figure out why the Astros were doing this. Um, and as as I had learned, the Astros, it's kind of crazy. They have almost too many starting pitchers. Uh, they're about to get McCullers back. So they had, I think, six starters without Odorizzi. So they were going to truly have seven starting pitchers. Uh, and they were looking for left-handed bullpen help, which I'm kind of laughing at a little bit because I don't know if I would necessarily qualify Will Smith under that. But I still I still believe, Scott, I'll go down with the ship. Will Smith, I will go down with the ship. No, honestly, I say this without trolling you. I do think that Will Smith is still not as bad as people think that he is. Oh, I, I don't. <laughs> but, 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 but I will say with all that said, what I just said also applies more like he might just be cooked. That That is definitely in play. But for the Astros, like, I guess what you said just makes sense. I still think it's a bad trade for the Astros to make um, just value wise. Like, I just don't know. They're, they're taking on money in the trade, too. I, I don't understand what they're doing on that. Even even with what, with what you just said, that's kind of flimsy logic for me. But maybe they're just betting that the the playoff Will Smith will show up. And listen, we, we praised him a lot during that run. But it was actually two seasons of lights out bullpen stuff from Will Smith in the playoffs. In fact, I pulled this today. He had a 1.59 ERA in the playoffs for the Braves over two seasons. And last year, famously 11 appearances, 11 innings, no runs. Will Smith playoff hero, Braves legend. I mean, Jesse Chavez, same thing, but like Will Smith, I mean, build a statue. I'm kidding, but I'm not like, who cares? After, after all that, like three three years, $39 million, I mean, whatever the, whatever the deal was, it was a lot of money. He did not earn the contract in the regular season. 
and no one cares because they won the World Series and he was great. So there you go. Yeah. No, playoff, <laughs> playoff Will Smith was like my favorite guy ever. Like I was all in on playoff Will Smith. Um, you mentioned the 11 scoreless innings last year. And it's funny to look back at the contract and it's like, yeah, he was terrible in, the, in really three regular seasons. He was terrible in all three, even in the shortened 2020 COVID year, he was really bad giving up a million home runs. And then the playoffs started and all of a sudden he was really good. It's like, oh, this is the guy the Braves gave $40 million to. Uh, we will, I don't know if we will miss Will Smith. I don't know if miss, but I think it's one of those <laughs> where you and I will be walking down a street in 25 years and we'll see Will Smith and we'll just, we'll give him the head nod. We'll give him a fist bump and say, thank you. Uh, but for this year's team, I mean, the, for me, the straw that broke the camel's back was that appearance in Philly last week where yeah, it was I think game. it was eight to one. And within five batters, the Phillies had the, the game tying run, I think, on the on deck circle. And they had to bring in Kenley and Kenley, frankly, did not look super thrilled that he had to like rush to get up all of a sudden. And what was an eight to one game? That was that was probably it for me. And it, and it might have been it for the Braves as well. Um, Smith did not pitch in a close game against the Diamondbacks over the weekend as well, which I think was kind of notable. Uh, it, it was time, and we thank him for his playoff legendary services. But, uh, yeah, to get Odorizzi here, even if he's nothing special, even if he's just kind of an innings eater these final two months, as you said, if he's just not good or there's just not a way to work him into a playoff roster, you don't do it. I mean, there's no there's no obligation here. And then, yeah, if, if you want your head to hurt, uh, Google his contract, Odorizzi's contract, and try to figure out what kind of money he's going to make next year because of all these bonuses he has. Yeah, in it. I, I tried. I, I thought about laying it out for everybody on the podcast. Then I realized this is a uh, this is an audio medium, and uh, we'll, we'll just tell you what he's owed next year if he's on the if he's on the team. That, that's what we'll do. That's right. Yeah, subscribe. <laughs> yeah, subscribe to the pod, and in three months, Brad and I will tell you exactly what Jake Odorizzi is going to make and if he's going to be a member of the Braves or if he is a free agent. Yeah, he's got, he's, it's, it's a player option. So we'll see, but yeah, I, you know, we said it a lot. I, I think that uh, tradings, I mean, if they had cut Will Smith in two weeks when Kirby, when Kirby Yates was ready, no one would have been upset. And they turned that guy into a real proven solid starting pitcher. And that is a wild thing i mean I, no one could have projected this trade happening i don't think um last thing on smith just 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 for old time's sake scott uh, i had to laugh because you're right 100 on what you said uh fan actually had him as a below average uh, sorry below replacement level pitcher on the whole like a sub uh sort of a negative war guy makes reference was a little bit higher than that after all that will smith's era was 3.87 with the braves in the regular season that is so much lower than i thought it was going to be yeah, that, that's impossible. A staple of the Will Smith era. ERA <laughs> was way was way lower than we all thought it was. And I I looked it up three times. I looked it up. I looked it up yeah. at Baseball Reference, at Fangraphs, LB.com. I was like, that can't be right. And it was. 3.87 yeah. ERA. If you told me his ERA was seven, I would believe you, especially <laughs> lately. I mean, even uh, to begin the year, it wasn't horrible. Though over the last couple of weeks and even month or two, it's been bad. But we will, uh, we will always love Will Smith for his playoff heroics. Um, and I am... Very happy to no longer have to watch Will Smith pitch is probably my uh, best synopsis of the Odorizzi for Smith trade. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have much more on how Odorizzi might fit in alongside Strider, Anderson, et cetera, and, in the future. So stay tuned for all of that. We'll have uh, all that coverage coming up. Um, last 
trade that happened before we touch on some Rowie stuff at the end. Uh, the Braves acquired an old friend in A. Ray Adrianza in exchange for Trey Harris. With, that was a little bit talked about on the uh, on yesterday's emergency podcast. Um, this is obviously the lowest profile of the moves. Um, it did co- coincide with Robinson Cano. Uh, the era ending in a hurry uh, and justifiably so he was quite bad. Um, I will say this Adrianza has never been particularly good um, this year. He's been quite bad actually for Washington, but he had a couple of moments last year that were memorable. He was on the team that won the world series. He was, he is a utility guy. He plays an outfield. If you have to, if you have to do that, play, play a little bit infield, if you have to do that, um, he is probably the worst player on the roster at the moment, but he also fills a need that they had especially when you were assuming as we kind of were that Cano is not going to be long for this world on the Braves roster. So like, it's not exciting. And the one thing I will put, I will put back to you, Scott is something that Eric and I talked about last, last week on the show, what three days ago on the show. Um, I was convinced that the Braves were going to do a move like this. If they thought Ozzy would be back this year and be Ozzy again. And if they did a bigger move than this, I was going to worry about Ozzy. I, I'm not saying it's exactly this clear, but this move makes me feel better about Ozzy. <laughs> yeah, he's not right. I, yeah. I think that's exactly right. Um, Adrianza is going to be in the Guillermo Heredia bench, you know, support your teammates, have fun, celebrate, and probably, assuming all goes well, never really play. And that's not a knock on Adrianza. Uh, it's, it's a really good roster, especially once Ozzy Albies is back. Uh, the Braves will probably try to get him a few at-bats uh, between now and whenever Ozzy does return. Uh, Orlando Arcia has been, uh, defensively, he's been really good. Offensively, there's been not a whole lot there. I would lean towards the defensive player there. Yeah. Uh, but I, I kind of wonder if they might start Adrianza against some righties in the next couple of weeks just to see what happens. But no, I'm, I'm as much as I am not yeah. the Arcia guy, uh, Arcia is better than Adrianza. So. For sure. And you need you need a bench guy. I, I was it would have been nice to add a I guess a more legitimate utility type player to this team. But as we as we know, if once Ozzy returns and it seems like they're getting a good prognosis, Anthopolis was on the broadcast tonight. I think his quote was at the latest they expect him back by early to mid September. Hopefully Albies returns some point in August to give him some time to ramp up. Um I, I again, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Adrianza gets a few at bats, but really, man, he's just he's just going to be on the bench and be that versatile option if you need it. And who knows, maybe he'll get a big hit here or there. Maybe they get him a few at bats to see what he can do. Uh, he was also hurt to begin the year, so uh, he it's I think it's just really difficult for big leaguers to be hurt to start the year and then try to get up to a hundred uh, right out of the gate whenever you come back from injury. So uh, I'm sure a change of scenery will do him some good. Um, and yeah, it's, it's obviously for Trey Harris, who once upon a time had a little bit of prospect type, but is flamed out. Uh, it's, it's truly a no risk move. And if he's the 25th or 26th man on the roster, uh, it's, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. They were always going to acquire someone to play the Cano role until Ozzy came back at a bare minimum and having it be someone who they've, they're familiar with. They clearly like is uh is nice he, 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 again he can fix an outfield as well like it's he's not great by any means but is if they had that confidence level that you just laid out with the top talking about ozzy playing in you know five six weeks um that makes it a lot easier to make this kind of lower level move and w- 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 sort of with a straight face because then you could say look our utility guys are seeing when ozzy's back and that that is more uh palatable 
I think at this point. Yeah. So for sure. overall, before we end the podcast with some some of our thoughts on Austin Riley and debate, uh, sort of on the back of yesterday's podcast as well. Uh, overall, the Braves swap Will Smith, Jesse Chavez, Tucker Davidson, Trey Harris, and Chris Anglin. And they received Rysel Iglesias, Robbie Grossman, Jago Derizzi, and Adrianza. That is uh, obviously very favorable. Like the Braves acquire, you could argue, the three most valuable players in the trade. You could say that Chavez is maybe up there, but with with worse with where Smith was, uh, and you know, I, I love Chavez. He's still a 38 year old reliever who was traded for Sean Newcomb, uh, like a, like a few weeks ago. <laughs> it hasn't been that long yeah, since that happened. That was um, that was the real crown jewel of the trade season was was Sean Newcomb for Jesse Chavez. Yeah, basically turning Jesse Chavez, sorry, tr- turning uh, Sean Newcomb into Rossi Iglesias. Just a that's just some incredible stuff there from Anthopolis. But uh, you know. Same thing as last year when we said it, and obviously we, we were not privy to them winning the World Series back at the deadline. But even last year, we were like, look, they traded nothing, basically, for all of these guys that they added. This year, you could argue the same thing again. Like when the when the guy that you think had the best, had probably the most trade value of the five pieces that you traded was Jesse Chavez. And you come back with a all-star closer, which is what Iglesias is. He's a all-star level guy. Grossman's a perfectly solid, you know, rotational outfielder. Odorizzi is a legitimate guy that might make, you know, eight, $10 million a year on the market as a starting pitcher. Like that's what you get for these guys. It, it is it, another wild deadline. And I'm not saying it's going to work out exactly the same way as it did last year. Eventually Anthopolis is probably going to have to not be uh, Jesus walking down the street, but like, <laughs> I mean, he's still, he's so far he's that. So like, who am I to, who am I to judge on paper? This looks awesome to me. So he me is, up. um, he is pretty damn good at his job, isn't he? I mean, it seems like it. <laughs> it, it and the whole results and process. I mean, th- this was when you and I and Eric were trying to predict, and anybody was trying to predict what the Braves would do. Uh, this was exactly what I think a lot of folks thought that he would do. Uh, maybe not Iglesias. That one was kind of a, I think, a pleasant surprise, at least Agreed. in the immediate term. Yep. Again, we'll we'll see. It's impossible. Who knows what any baseball player is going to look like in the year 2026, right? Like we, we just don't know that. Uh, but for the immediate, you took the words out of my mouth. You add three players of the four, three of them who are going to fill an immediate need and an immediate role. Um, and then Adrian's, of course, going to roam the bench. And then, again, it's a addition by subtraction with Will Smith, especially the way that Brian Snitker loves to go to Will. That That was probably the worst part of it. Um, I'll miss Jesse Chavez. Like you said earlier, let's run it back in 2023. If he wants to come back for a million dollars, I will uh, personally print the check for him to sign. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, Tucker Davidson, 26 years old. He had a couple moments last year, but uh, I'm not saying every pitching prospect in the world has to have it figured out by 26, but he was probably going to be a 40 man roster crunch casualty in a couple of months anyway. Uh, so be able, to be able to use him to get a legitimate star closer, even eighth inning guy in Iglesias is is a movie make ten times out of ten. Yeah, that's a, a good synopsis of uh, all of what they did. And look, they're they're better they they're better today than they were a few days ago, which is what you can ask for. They plug the holes that were obviously there, and uh, as you referenced, like they even went above and beyond that by adding Iglesias. They they had to get another outfielder. They did that. They had to do something else behind behind Arcia at second base. They did that. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So, 
they've done a good job um as we've said numerous times on this podcast so we'll wrap that up now as far as the deadline is concerned uh we should stop again and just say uh there was a full hour of austin riley mega deal extension talk on the podcast network last night with uh our friends sean steven and eric uh, so that's still there if you want to listen to that. Also, we're going to add our own thoughts now on the 10-year, $212 million extension that Riley and the Braves announced. And then I actually introduced him uh, on that deal uh, today on Tuesday. Um, that is going to keep him with the Braves, at least under contract, through the 2032 season. I am very old. Yeah, uh, yeah that's not op- a real That's, that's not a, a real, real thing. <laughs> uh, team A team option for 2033. That's a long time. Um it's three years of arbitration buyout. That's worth noting. It's not like he's a was going to be a free agent this next year. He is still has under, he's still under control for three more seasons, which kind of tells you why the price is what it was. We'll go, we'll come back to that later on. But it's three years of that, and then it's about twenty two ish million dollars from that point forward. Um, he has been obviously ridiculous this season. Famously, in July, he had the best month that everyone anyone has ever had basically in their lives. Um, I'll say this: it's very interesting timing. For this, because not all it's not often that you see a guy sign an extension while he has quite literally just had the best month he will probably ever have in his life. Like you don't usually, as the team, want to pay the guy right after he does the best thing he'll ever do. <laughs> but um, and that, by the way, that's not even a shot at Riley. Like there are players that are in the Hall of Fame that have never had a month like Austin Riley just had. That was not yeah. a shot at Austin Riley. He was out of his absolute mind yeah. all of July. Um, so the time is a little bit curious, but I mean. They lock him up, and I think that uh, you know, it's not a bad thing to have your uh, your star your star third baseman now locked in until you and I are like in our fifties. <laughs> yeah, twenty thirty three. That's that's not a real year. Um, yeah, it surprised me. It was kind of a out of left field. There was an article earlier today, I think in the AJC, that the Braves originally approached Austin and his representation, his agents back at the beginning of the year in in spring training about an extension, although not of the 10-year variety. They said it was much shorter. Uh, If I had to guess, it was probably like a five-year deal, which would have bought out. Also also much cheaper, I would imagine, at that point. I think Anthopolis said flat out that it it was not of the 10-year, 200-plus million dollar variety at first. Uh, You know, the timing was interesting. Uh, It might have been one of those things where, Look, they, they get it done if they were going to get it done one way or the other. I know the immediate reaction was, oh, what does this mean for the trade deadline tomorrow? Could this be, you know, could this be a precursor to something? Uh, because, as you noted, Riley has the three more years of arbitration control prior to signing this deal. Nothing really changed. He would have gotten close to 15 million next year in arbitration, then close to 20 or even more uh, the following years. Um, and then to lock a a very very good player in his prime years at 22 million bucks, that that's below market, and it's crazy to say that because the way that salaries have exploded the last few years, not just in baseball but all professional sports. But man, you look at getting him for 22 million, a guy like Nolan Arenado makes 30 some odd million a year. Anthony Rendon, who was like 10 years older than Riley, makes $30 million a year. Manny Machado makes $28 million a year. So you're getting Riley cheaper than all of those guys. And he is anywhere from five to 10 years younger. So it speaks to, uh, again, kind of like we said with Iglesias a few minutes ago, nobody can predict what Austin Riley is going to look like in the year 2027 or 2030. And that's contracts, that's sports, you never know. 
Uh, but to lock him in as one of your true core pieces, you have him, you have Matt Olson signed through 2029, you have Acuna and Albies through, I believe, 2028. Uh, you have your your core four, if you will, locked in place for at least another five years. And, and because I would argue that if all four of those players hit the open market tomorrow, and maybe it's not fair to include Riley in this, but Ronald Acuna Jr. would blow way past what the contract he is currently on. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ozzy Albies, I mean, his his contract is kind of silly. I mean, he he's a rich man, so I don't feel too, too bad. But his contract is bad, to be honest. Uh, bad for him, good for, for the, the players. Babes. Yes, yes. And, and then Matt Olson's deal is is maybe market value. But again, if he hit the open market tomorrow at age 28, firmly in his prime, he, he was going to get paid big time money. And I would wager probably a few dollars more than what Anthopolis did. So uh, credit to him. It's a big time deal. We'll see what the next 10 years uh, hold. Maybe you and I will still be doing these podcasts in the year 2033, Brad. But uh, a, a big deal and certainly one I think that a lot of folks were happy with. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, there's always there's a give and take on any deal this long. Unless it's one of those like absolute no brainers like this is not this is not the level of just to be candid, like team fleecing that the Acuna and Albies deal deals were. This is not one of those deals at the same time. You know, this is this could be a very, very good contract for the Braves could be. Um, there is more risk here than there was with those deals because they're just it's not so comically team friendly and especially the way the Aussie's deal was. But, um, you know, let's just say this Fangraphs has this value metric that they kind of go off of their war system, et cetera. Uh, Riley was worth upwards of thirty seven million dollars by their metrics last year. And this year he's been better than that. So, like, he's going to shatter that number. Now, you can't just assume he's going to be that that guy for 10 years, but any deal this long tenure extensions in baseball don't often end particularly well occasionally they do but for the most part you're hoping to get plus value at the beginning of the deal in exchange for risk at the end of the deal and that is the that's the trade-off here because yeah, like sure. for, for example zips dan zaborski very smart guy has a system called zips production system basically he projects a deal for riley right now starting next year to be when you factor in arbitration worth about $202 million over 10 years. Almost exactly the deal. Obviously, the Braves paid a little bit more than that, but that hit, the Zips projection for Riley for 10 years, factoring in arbitration, was almost exactly this, this deal, which basically means this is a market value contract for Austin Riley. Now, if he had been a free agent this year, he also says Zips has him at 10 years at about $258 million. So that's the that would be a bargain. But that's, that's the price. Basically, Riley is trading... Um, a little bit of upside because if he had just raked for three years now in arbitration, pocketed that money and hit for agency, he probably would have made more than this. That's the trade-off on Ryo's side. For the Brave side is that they're locking him up now and they're hoping that he's going to be really, really good for seven, eight, nine years of this deal and they'll get surplus value out of it. Um, it's it's one of those agreements where like it makes sense for both sides. You get the security. If you're Austin Riley, you are going to be a very, very, very rich man for the rest of your life at this point because of this deal and on the brave side there could be a lot of a lot of plus here if he rakes like this not even not even july riley if he rakes like if he rakes like last year if he rakes like the rest of this year he's very much worth this contract the problem is if there is one i, I almost don't, don't even want to say it's a problem it's more of a question mark is that by the end of the deal he'll be 35 or 36 years old and most guys not all most guys are not 
$25 million players, $22 million players at that age. But like, that's the trade-off. And I, I hope for our future selves, I hope for the future media self, future fans, that if Riley isn't Austin Riley in capital letters when he's 33 years, 33, 34 years old, people will, will remember all the surplus value from early in the contract. I hate that discussion always about mm-hmm. like, you know, Same. Albert Pujols, all that stuff. Obviously the Pujols, the last deal that he signed with the Angels was a bad contract. We all know this, but like it is, it, you have to remember the surplus at the beginning. You can't just go to the end and say, okay, if you had to ask me right now, if I asked you this right now, Scott, in 2032, is Austin Riley going to be a $22 million baseball player? Um, In today's dollars? No, in today's prob- dollars. Probably not, right? No, probably not. But somebody made this point. Maybe it was one of the MLB.com writers. But, you know, in 10 years, to be fair, contracts are going to be even crazier in 10 years. What, so, you, you would think so, yes, for sure. Yeah, so... um. You're right. As as we have noted time and time again, in free agency, you usually have to give contracts that are either an overpay in dollars per year or in total number of years on the contract. And, and that's the case across the board, right? I think if the Braves could have done this in a perfect world, they would have done a seven or eight year deal. Quite obviously, Austin Riley's camp wanted 10 years and both sides agreed to it. And that's great. You know, whoever signs Juan Soto in a couple of years probably isn't going to want to go 12 years, but they're going to have to do it. The Dodgers didn't want to go 12 years on Mookie Betts, but he's Mookie freaking Betts. You have to go the extra year, the extra dollar to keep these guys around and uh, yep. to lock in Austin. You know, the, the, the one question, and I think it's interesting. And uh, the only real question with Austin is defensively. How does he age? <laughs> yeah. Um, that, and, that's certainly a question. Let's just say that. Yeah. And, you know, he's in his 20s, so you would imagine, you know, defensively, defense is the one part of his game that is not elite. I mean, he is, if you look at his batted ball numbers, he is hitting the absolute snot out of the baseball, like 99th percentile across the board. So offensively, I have no concern. Like, if you told me that Austin Riley is still crushing baseballs the way that Nolan Arenado does at age 33, I really wouldn't be that surprised. Um, defensively, there are some questions with Austin. I think at least for the next, I don't know, half of this contract, I think he can play third base. Uh, at some point, he might have to move to first base or become a designated hitter or, or split up his reps there. But one, that is the beauty of the DH. And two, it's kind of funny to think about it this way. But in theory, he's going to be around until 2032. And Matt Olson's going to be around until 2029. I don't know, maybe Austin Riley takes over for Matt Olson at first base one day. It's all very kind of silly. I'm kind of <laughs> laughing to myself as I time. talk about this. Long yep. time away. Again, it's it's not a real year, 2032. But, um, you know, again, you, sometimes you have to give the extra dollar the extra year to make it happen. And, and because of that, you have Austin Riley on a deal that I have a hard time seeing going sideways over the next 10 years. Maybe it's fair value. Maybe he doesn't blow past what... Uh, the you know the ultimate uh, fair contract would have been, but again, I mean the kid is so good and seemingly just continuing to get better, um, and, and also a good person. I, I think Austin is. Uh, you want to talk about somebody who is level-headed and the fame and even the decent money that he has made so far, not changing a person. Everybody around the organization says that Austin is the exact same person today that he was the day that he came up in 2019. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think you, you did a good job there. I think that I'm probably going to preach uh, the nuance now that people just don't like to think about, but like, you know, trying to compare this deal to other deals, a third baseman and um, people will ignore the three years of arbitration as part of this. Like you, it, there are very few direct comparisons to this, a guy who's signing a deal three plus years before he was going to be a free agent. Um, it, obviously the average annual value of $21 million is, is pretty modest when you compare it to guys that star level, as you, as you said earlier, you also can't just say that compared to free agent deals. Cause he's not a free agent. He's, this is three years. The team's taking on some risk by buying on his arbitration. So it's always a two-way conversation, but look, as long as he is a good productive player, this deal is going to seem at worst. Okay. And probably better than that. Um, again, if he, if he's anything close to this level player, he's going to be, he's like this year, he's probably going to be worth, 40 50 maybe even more than that million dollars for this season alone now that does that matter long term we'll see but like look this is it's a, it's a bargain right now in the way that baseball contracts are structured and all that fun stuff i think he's gonna be good for a long time the defense is definitely a question mark to be kind i think it's pretty bad i don't sort of the metrics brace fans don't agree with me the broadcast seems to think he's really good at third base i don't really i don't really see that but look if he rakes like this no one cares like it might come up but no one cares. Like I cover, I cover right. Trey Young. I cover Trey Young on the, on the basketball side. Um, people that want to that want to pick at him will say, "But he's terrible on defense." And it's like, yeah, he actually is. But guess what? If you score thirty points and average ten assists a game, no one cares. Yep. And if yep. if Riley rakes, no one's going to care. Right. Um, if you hit thirty five homers and drive in one hundred and twenty runs, no one cares. If you're hitting close to three hundred and hitting, and look, he might, powers, have to, he might have to DH. As you said, he might he might have to DH. Like I I honestly would love to know true serum with Anthopolis if they give this deal out without the DH. You know what I mean? I, I'm yeah, actually curious because yeah. I, I think that it wouldn't have been bad, but I think there is a, there's a level of safety with a player that let's just be frank. Riley's profile is probably going to be a guy who can't play third base for the second half of this contract. Like if he's not good there now, he's not going to get a lot better there. You would imagine uh, as you get, as you get older, you generally get worse, not always, but you generally get worse defensively. So like, there's just a lot of safety between, you know, having Olsen, like you said, play first base and also just to have a DH spot, like even just for days off, like this guy signed for 10 years now, maybe take a little bit of extra care with him, but that kind of stuff too. So uh, yeah, no, I, I, I dig it. It opens them up. Uh, you know, I thought this gave a lot of good quotes about this today that I, you can read all of them um, from Chris Willis who wrote about it on the site, but uh, they seem eager. They seem excited as they should be. This is the, you know, all, almost all of their core is locked up. We will not spend time on this now, but um, basically all eyes turn to, uh, you know, beyond Dansby, who's obviously there's always been a lot of attention on that. Now he's, he's actually in his walk year. The only guy who is like close to the end of arbitration that's not been signed that might be signed is Max Fried. He's the big one now, along with Dansby. Um, and then you get a little bit deeper into your Michael Harris's and your Striders, et cetera. Those guys are a long way away. Um, but yeah, no, it's this is big. They have a lot of guys locked up. It's another one locked up. And uh, Austin Riley's been ridiculous this year. So celebrate that. And he's going to be making a lot of money for a long time. Yeah. I mean, truly, he's going to be a franchise pillar, a franchise icon. And I know there was some, um, you know, some, some obviously the Freddie Freeman situation is still fresh in <laughs> everyone's minds. And, and as we noted, Riley was three years away from free agency. So it wasn't like there was this whole thing of, is he going to walk? Is he going to stay? But you lock him into the 10 years. And as you said, you, you might be, might be getting a, a good deal on this too. I mean, that, that's entirely oh, yeah. possible. And if he's the national league MVP in two and a half months, which is also very possible, 
uh, you might not be able to get him for 10 years and 212 million. The price might go up to 10 years, 250 million, 275 million. Again, salaries are just exploding everywhere. Talking about uh, Dansby Swanson getting a six-year, $150 million deal, if you believe Ken Rosenthal. Like that's that is big time money. Uh, so for Riley, again, you you lock in the certainty. Uh, a really just such an easy guy to root for someone who has come such a long way and just a couple of years since his debut and uh, very happy for him and his young family as well. I think uh, Braves friends everywhere, of course, huge fans of Austin's work and uh, it'll be nice to have him there. And, and again, man, with contracts, you just, you just never know that that's sports. You never know how a guy's going to age, but the way he is improving right now, I have a hard time thinking this deal goes badly. And I think in, in 10 years times, Brad, whenever you and I are doing episode <laughs> 4,000 of the podcast, uh, we'll look back on it. But until that time comes, uh, really a nice a nice reward for a player who has been so, so good the last two years. Yeah, this is kind of the nature of the, of the beast here on these long-term extensions in baseball. It's a weird system for sure with arbitration. If, if they had signed him before the season, it would be a lot cheaper than this. If they wait to the end of the season, maybe it'd be more expensive, like you said. It's kind of just all about timing and risk tolerance and player risk tolerance and all that fun stuff. And they found a place in the middle, and he's locked up for a long time. So buy your Austin Riley jerseys with comfort at this point, Braves fans, yeah, if you want think, to go ahead and do those that. Are, uh, yeah, those are safe. He ain't going anywhere for a long time at a, at a bare minimum. So, um, well, Scott, we've talked for more than an hour, predictably. Uh, anything you'd like to share? If not, please uh, go ahead and sign us off and uh, plug yourself, because I know you wrote this week and also we've talked at nauseum about all kinds of things on this podcast yeah thank you everybody for tuning in this week and and really for all the support it's been a very very busy last couple of weeks between the draft and trade deadline season and and now we have a postseason race we have two months to go uh we'll continue to have a lot of great coverage on the daily hammer uh the road to atlanta podcast as some of these recent draftees make their way to the minor league system and then, of course, the Big League Club. We're going for another World Series. It's a lot of fun. Uh, be sure to check out the site, batterypower.com. I did a quick look. I think we had, uh, in the last 24 hours of recording this podcast, I think we have 13 articles on the site uh, between reaction, breaking news, the game recap, the game preview. Uh, so be sure to check out batterypower.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, for my jinxes of Marcel Ozuna, I am at Scott Coleman 55. And uh, and I did want to sneak this in. It's very sad news. Uh, Vin Scully passed away, 95 years old. Wait, like really? During the podcast? I During this. the podcast, about 20 oh. minutes ago. Um, I mean, the the word legend probably gets overused or or the GOAT moniker. He is a true legend and truly the greatest of all time among probably all sportscasters ever. Uh, so very, very sad. Vince Scully passed away tonight. Dodgers just announced it. A true legend. I'm, I'm like legitimately sad over here about it. Um, so anyway, but uh, thank you everyone for tuning in and, and we will continue to have plenty of coverage over the next couple of days, weeks, and months. Yep, thanks for joining me. As uh, as always, Scott, we will have more to come as you lay out. I'm, I'm sure Chris and Stephen will weigh in. Sean will be here. We'll have a podcast Maybe someday we're back into our normal groove. We'll see how that all unfolds. But the best way to find the podcast always is to subscribe via your platform of choice. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, all those places that are to find podcasts. Check us out there. Follow Scott if you'd like to. Follow me if you'd like to. And we'll see you all next time.